Hey, bitches. Merry Christmas Eve. Hello. <laughs> Merry Christmas Eve. Yeah. Normally, this would have been up yesterday, but, you know, life happened. <laughs> but I, yeah, I was traveling all weekend, and... And I'm sick if you couldn't already tell. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, we, we planned to do this yesterday, but we couldn't. Jamie was throwing up. Yep. And now I just sound like... <laughs> like the most nasally bitch of ever so please excuse <laughs> okay. me um any and all sniffles and coughs i will try to edit out but i make no promises that i can't keep right <laughs> also we're sorry for last week's episode we we're a little breathy where we fixed it kind of um kind <laughs> we of we tried that's our bad um but yeah. this week it should be better yeah i think we sound as normal as we're going to yeah i mean you sound great and- <laughs> This is Hot for Justice. If you were unaware. That nasally person is Jamie. Yes. And the mother of that baby that you just heard is Jessica. (laughs) She, I, um... I was text- I've been texting Jamie for like the last hour and a half because we've been trying to record and I'm trying to get the baby to sleep and she just refuses like every time I move she pops her little eyes open and she's like hey where are you going <laughs> don't think you're leaving <laughs> mom what are you doing <laughs> right so um yeah we have a guest star today her name's Emerson yes she's the cutest honestly the she's cutest guest a- star we've ever had um I think so. sorry Zach sorry Jackson right you know, but you can't compete. She's yeah. just really cute. Honestly, the cutest. And she's got a Santa outfit on right now. I know. It's honestly killing me. We'll have to. I'll post it on our Instagram. Please It'll do. be the episode cover thing. Yes, I'm here for that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If you hear any cats so. purring, that's um, my two furry idiots. Um, I'm currently recording in bed because I can't be bothered to do it elsewhere. Um, you know, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. And they're loud as fuck. And so. you're sick. Well, hey, my if someone rings a doorbell or my dogs hear something, it's going to be all hell breaking loose. So, so yeah. we're clearly thriving. <laughs> yes, clearly. <laughs> Very clearly. And um, with that being said, I'm going to head right into my murder. <laughs> my yes. murders. And you said this was today. like uh, adjacent to what you talked about last week? So I think that you could maybe make a supposition regarding last mm-hmm. week's case with this week's case. Ooh. And Emerson agrees with me. Excellent. Um, so I'm going to head right into it. Um, I never heard of these, but apparently um, they call these murders at Gypsy Hill Killings, and they started in 1976 in the Bay Area. And it happened for about four months that there were several victims, and so they thought it was a serial killer. <laughs> did you do the same one? Jackson did this when he covered during your maternity leave. No. <laughs> I don't have another one. It's okay. Keep going. <laughs> no. This is a different perspective. Oh, my god! I'm dead. Okay. Well. I was like, wait a minute. This sounds uh, oddly familiar. Crap. Um, yeah, I still haven't obviously caught up on listening since I was on maternity leave. <laughs> Fake fan. Uh, well, um, I don't... <laughs> no, just go, honestly go on and it'll be a recap for anyone that hasn't heard that episode. And or a different perspective. Maybe you'll cover something he didn't. I don't know. Maybe. And honestly, this was months ago, and I already half forgot about it. So fair. I just remembered the name. (laughs) Um, Okay, so they thought that it was one serial killer, but they were wrong. Um, And that's, like, recently been proven that they were wrong. Oh, shit. Uh, Yeah. 
Um, so the first victim, her name was Veronica Cassio. Um, she was 18 when she was found murdered. She was discovered January 8th in 1976 in Pacifica, California. She was found by a young man who's walking through a golf course, um, and he found her nude body stabbed more than 30 times. Initially, police thought that a homeless man was responsible and he was arrested in connection with the murder, but that was later found to he had nothing to do with it. Um, about after a month after Veronica was found, a woman named Paula Baxter was found in a, a grove of trees in Millbrae, California. She had last been seen February 4th, leaving a play rehearsal at her high school in San Bruno. Um, so I don't really know how close those are, those two cities um, are together. So they're pretty close. They're both uh, really close to San Francisco. Yeah. Um, San Bruno, my cousin lives there. It's like kind of like close to like South City. If you're yeah. familiar, um, in like the like SFO airport. Um, okay, yeah. And uh, Millbrae is, I think, a little bit just a uh, little more east, uh-huh. um, kind of like closer towards like Marin and all that. Gotcha. Yeah. So she. Um, also, was really found... quickly, I just looked, and I'm a fucking idiot. I did do this one. Did you? Um, but it was the same episode that I was on with Jackson that we did. So that's okay. why I think I got okay. my wires crossed. But so yeah, because I was like, yeah. oh, this does sound familiar, and then I was like, oh yeah, I fucking researched it. So <laughs> Whoops. Hey, but you know what? It took us almost a year to like do the same one, which is honestly impressive. It is. It is. Anyway, we almost did the same one a while ago, but we stopped. We did ourselves. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, crap. It's okay. Go on. She she was found behind an LDS church in Millbrae. She had been sexually assaulted, stabbed several times, and then hit on the head. Um, and then investigators connected Veronica and Paula's murders by forensic evidence. Um, a few weeks later, after Veronica went missing, so that's the first victim, 14-year-old Tatiana Blackwell, she went by Tanya, was reported missing. Uh, police had assumed that she was a teenage runaway. But she wasn't. She was last seen um, walking to a 7-Eleven. So uh, she was walking to a 7-Eleven in Pacifica. Her body was found a few months later in June. She was found in the Gypsy Hill area, stabbed to death. Um, And then investigators have connected another murder, but this one was in Reno, Nevada. Um, Her name was Michelle Mitchell. She was a 19-year-old UNR student, which is University of Nevada, (laughs) Reno. Um, Emerson's so jazzed about the wolf pack. Who was last seen. She is. She also feels a lot better now that she just threw up all over me. I know. Um, So Michelle was last seen when her VW broke down on 9th Street and Evans Avenue. Her body was later discovered um, in the parking garage with her hands bound and her throat slashed. A woman named Kathy Woods was actually convicted for Michelle's murder and spent 35 years in jail. Um, but then it was proven through DNA that she didn't commit the crime and she was released, which is nuts. That's fucked up. On its own. Yeah, it really is. Um, March 15th, Carol Booth's husband reported her missing. She had last been seen alive in San Francisco. She um, frequently walked home through uh, from the bus stop through a shortcut, um, and she was found near that shortcut, stabbed to death, um, and she had been dumped in a shallow grave. Oh, God. Yep. And then a few weeks later, April 1st, Denise Lamp was supposed to meet her friend, and she never showed up. 
Uh, she was later found stabbed more than 20 times in the chest and arms in her Ford Mustang in an apartment in the or in a parking lot of the Saramonte Center Mall where she worked in Daly City. So these cases were unsolved for years until 2014 when the FBI formed a task force to look through these murders. Um, all the evidence was retested, well not all of it, but the evidence was retested at this time. DNA from a cigarette that was found at Michelle's killing linked her to the Gypsy Hill killer, even though, you know, the other woman was in jail for it. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that saliva on the cigarette butt matched the semen found at the other crime scenes of, like, Michelle, or um, of Veronica. Isn't that so wild? It really is. How, like, a cigarette butt could exonerate somebody? Yes. Because, yeah, she, it caused her to be released from prison, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, in 2015, Rodney Lynn Halbauer, a 66-year-old, um, was in prison in Oregon, and he he had been he was charged with um, the killing of Paula Baxter and Veronica Cassio. At the time he was free on at the t- time he killed them, he was free on bail from arrest from a rape that was committed in Reno. Um, he was convicted and imprisoned in May 1976 of that rape, um, and in September 2018, he was convicted of um, the murder of Veronica, or of yeah, of Veronica back, of Veronica Cassio and <laughs> Paula Baxter. Um, and they say he will likely be tried for Michelle's murder in Nevada as well. Yeah, um, and like the wild stuff about all this is like the mo for all of them like seemed so different, right? And it's it's just it's really sad. Um, yeah, and like he got, like got around. Yeah, well, they thought so. They thought he did the others as well, but then um, investigators reexamined the DNA, and they ended up finding out that Denise Lamp was actually murdered by a man named Leon Melvin Seymour. He had a history of violent sexual crimes, and he was already incarcerated at a state hospital um his first conviction dated back to 1973 with a kidnapping with intent to rape um and now he's 71 and he'd been charged with the 19 year old girl's murder um, and if I remember correctly, I remember, like, looking him up, and, like, he is, like, the, one of the creepiest-looking motherfuckers like, yeah, you'll ever see. Yeah, he is. He really is. Like, if I saw him by myself, I, like, at night or something, I would be afraid just looking at him. No, a thousand percent. Like, like <laughs> you know, kind of like the hair on your back of your neck would stand up type of person. Uh-huh. Um, so there are two, two unsolved cases of the Gypsy Hill killings, um, 14-year-old Tanya Marie Blackwell of Pacifica and 26-year-old Carol Lee Booth of South San Francisco. Um, prosecutors say that there's not enough DNA to tie it to one person. So it, it seems like they have DNA, but there's not enough of it. Um, yeah. So if there's, if you know, I don't know. Um, and I was saying, you know, the girl that I t- talked about last week who... Even though, you know, it seems something fishy seems up with, like, her dad not reporting her missing. Um, yeah. She was young, and she was found, like, slightly buried in the sand. And she was, um, I, I can't remember, I think, did I say she was stabbed to death? I think she was strangled to death, but still, yeah, I think she, was strangled. she was young, too, and you never mm-hmm. really know, do you? So... Exactly. It absolutely could have been a serial killer. Yeah. And maybe this one. Who knows? Because it was around the same time. Right? Yeah, it was 1976. Yeah, so. So, yeah. It's kind of. She, it's wild. Could be connected. Yeah, I remember, like, when I had looked this one up, I had originally found um, the Tanya Blackwell on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and like a whole like thing about her and then it was like oh by the way she might be involved with this like gypsy hill situation she might not be it's yeah. not really like sure and that's how i ended up finding it and like I, the whole thing's very fucking interesting um, yeah it really like, if you is do a deep dive it is <clears throat> yeah um but yeah that's, yeah that's all i have okay mine's fucking insane okay i'm, re- I'm ready for it yeah so i did my best to find like a christmas related thing solid yeah um, do, 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 do. This is from, you probably guessed it, wikipedia.com. <laughs> yes. Gonna use some of that ad revenue to uh, make a fat donation to right. Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the disappearance of the Soder children. Yeah. So Christmas Eve um, of 1945, a fire destroyed the Soder home in Fayetteville, West Virginia. At the time, it was occupied by George Soder, his wife Janine, or, or maybe might be Jenny, um, and nine of their ten children. During the fire, George, Jenny, and four of the nine children escaped. The bodies of the f- other five children have never been found. The Sodders believed uh, for the rest of their lives that the five missing children had survived. The Sodders never rebuilt their house, instead converting the site into a memorial garden to their lost children. In the 1950s, they came to... Uh, doubt that the children had perished and they put up a billboard site along state route 16 with pictures of the five children offering a reward for information that would bring closure to the case i think i've heard of this before really i had never um it remained up until short uh the billboard remained up until shortly after uh, jenny sodder's death in 1989 so it was up for like the better part of like what 40 years dang um, so, in support of their belief that the children survived, the Soders have pointed to a number of unusual circumstances before and during the fire. George disputed the fire department's finding that the blaze was electrical in origin, noting that he had recently had the house rewired and inspected. He and his wife suspected arson, leading the th- two theories that the children had been taken by the Sicilian Mafia, perhaps in retaliation for George's outspoken criticism of Benito Mussolini and the fascist government of his native Italy. State and federal efforts to investigate the case further uh, in the, to investigate the case further in the 1950s yielded no new information. The family did, however, later receive that uh, what may have been the picture of one of the boys um, as an adult during the 1960s. Um, their one surviving daughter, along with their grandchildren, have continued to publicize the case in the 21st century in the media and online. Um, so, some family background: uh, George Soder was born in the born with the name. Giorgio Sadu in Tula, Sardinia, Italy, in 19 or 1895. Uh, he immigrated to the United States 13 years later with an older brother who went back home as soon as he and George had both cleared customs at Ellis Island. Uh, for the rest of his life, George Soder, as he came to be known, would not talk much about why he left his homeland. He eventually found work on the railroads in Pennsylvania, carrying water and other supplies to workers. After a few years, he took more uh, permanent work with the in, Sw- in Smithers, West Virginia, as a driver. After a few more years, he started working. Uh, he started working at his own trucking company. At first, hauling uh, fill dirt to construction sites, and later hauling coal that was mined in the region. Uh, Jenny Cipriani, a storekeeper's daughter there, who had also come to the U.S. from Italy in her childhood, became his wife. Oh my goodness! Ever since so cute, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I have her muted because she's being chatty, Kathy, right now. <laughs> she is. She but really honestly, is. I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kills me. She absolutely kills me. Um. 
So the couple settled outside of near Fayetteville, which had a large population of Italian immigrants in his two-story timber frame house uh, two miles north of town. In 1923, they had the first of their ten children. Yo, could you imagine having ten children? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hard pass. Like, I don't even... That's a lot of time that you're spending pregnant, and... Yeah. Your lady bits will never be the same after ten kids. Well, I was going to say, after, like, the first, like, what, three or four, like, those motherfuckers are falling out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, her vahooter was wrecked. Vahooter. <laughs> <laughs> that's the episode title Solid. right Solid. Yep. <laughs> Um, That's my favorite word for a vagina, by the way. Now I'm going to say that. I'm going to steal that. Um, Normally, so my dog, Harlow, you know, as dogs do, like to lick themselves sometimes. Yes. I always tell her to stop licking her vagina, but now I'm going to start telling her to stop licking her vahooter. Yeah, vahooter is easily my favorite word for a vagina. Yeah, I'm I'm taking that. Thanks. Yeah, I'm also a fan of Vaj Mahal, but (laughs) honestly, vahooter is my favorite. (laughs) That's solid, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes. I'm here all day. <laughs> I'm here all day. <laughs> uh, fuck. Okay, where am I? <laughs> um, so they had a house, uh, house, and in 1923, had the first of their ten children. Good God. <laughs> Anyways. Bless her. Um, so his uh, business started prospering, and they became one of the most well-respected middle-class families around, um, in the words of a local official, anyways. However, he did have strong opinions about many subjects and subject subjects. Jesus Christ, Jamie. We're on a struggle <laughs> bus today. We both can't speak. Uh, I'm going to blame the cold medicine. <laughs> I don't have any excuse. That's fine. <laughs> um, he had strong opinions about many subjects and was not shy about expressing them, sometimes alienating people. Sounds like some people we know. <laughs> um, in particular, his... Uh, strong opposition to Italian dictator Benito Mussolini had led to some strong arguments with other members members of the immigrant community. Um, the last of the Sauter children, Sylvia, was born in 1943. So 10 children over 20 years. Good lord. Nope. Solid. Yeah, no. and like, literally because like what, you're pregnant for like nine and a half months or whatever? Yeah, really it's 10 months. Yeah, so that 10 times, that's 100 months. No, is that math? thank you. I don't know if that's correct, but um, we'll go with it. How many years <laughs> yeah. is that? That's a uh, lot. That's like, I don't uh, It's a couple <laughs> years. Anyways, let's move on. It's more than a couple. It's probably the better part of 10 if I had to <laughs> venture a guess. It's a lot of years. <laughs> many moons. Many moons. Um, so um, by then, their second oldest son, Joe, had left home to serve in the military during World War II. The following year, Mussolini was uh, de- deposed and executed. However, George Sauter's criticism of the late dictator had left some hard feelings. In October of 1945, a visiting life insurance salesman, um, after being rebuffed, uh, warned George that his house would go up in smoke and your children were going to be destroyed. Well, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds a little fishy. <laughs> um... Because two months later, some shit goes fucking down. Right. That's, yeah, coincidence? Probably not. Hmm. Um, and this um, life insurance salesman had attributed all of this information to the dirty remarks you've been making about Mussolini. Um, another visitor to the home um, that was seeking work took the occasion to go around to the back and warn George that a pair of fuse boxes could cause a fire someday. Um, 
he was puzzled by this observation since he had just had the house rewired with an, an, an electric stove installed. And the local electric company had said afterwards that everything was safe. In the weeks before Christmas that year, his older sons had also noticed a strange car parked along the main highway throughout town, um, its occupants watching the younger solder children as they would uh, return home from school. So, again, a little creepy. And just a lot of weird coincidences, quote-unquote. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, no. uh, I don't like it. I don't, it that way. I don't believe in that many coincidences at one Oh, time. hell no. Uh, surrounding one thing. Yeah. Mm. Like Prop, I said, it all seems not. a little fishy. Yeah. Props not. Props not. <laughs> um, so, the Christmas Eve 1945 house fire. So the Soders celebrated on Christmas Eve of 1945. Marion, the oldest, oldest daughter, had been working at a dime store in downtown Fayetteville and surprised three of her younger, younger sisters, Martha, Jenny, and Betty, with new toys that she had bought them um, from her job as gifts. The younger children were so excited that they asked their mother if they could stay up past their usual bedtime to play with them. At around 10 p.m., Jenny told them that they could stay up a little later as long as the two oldest boys were still awake. Um, this would be uh, 14-year-old Maurice and 9-year-old uh, Louis. Uh, they remembered to put the cows in and feed the chickens before going to bed themselves. Uh, George and the two oldest boys, John and George Jr., had spent the day working uh, with their father. Uh, they were already asleep. Um, after, reminding, after reminding the children of their remaining chores, she took Sylvia, who was two years old, upstairs with her, and they went to bed. Um, the telephone rang at 12.30 a.m. Jenny woke up and went downstairs to answer it. It was a woman whose voice she did not recognize, asking for a name she was not familiar with, um, with the sound of laughter and clinking glasses in the background. She told the caller that she had reached a wrong number, later recalling that the woman had a weird laugh. She hung up and returned to bed. As she did, she noticed that the lights were still on and the curtains were not drawn, two things that the children normally attended to when they stayed up later than their parents. Marion had fallen asleep on the living room couch, so Jenny assumed that the other children who had stayed up later had gone um, up to the attic where they slept. God, could you imagine, like, not having enough, like, proper bedrooms for your kids and having no. to sleep in, like, the attic or that's, basement? That's, like, um, on Home Alone when they're like, I was Kevin, just thinking that. you're gonna sleep on the attic. What's new? I just watched <laughs> that yesterday, so it's fresh, but yeah. No, I, I would not sleep ever. Yeah, we were just talking about that, too, because we watched Home Alone and Home Alone 2, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> like... Who does that? Especially because, like, that was, like, a punishment for, right? like, the McAllisters. Like, go to your, go to the attic to sleep. Um, you little shit. Right? Jeez. No thanks. Uh, also. Yeah, hard pass. Um, oh, I was going to say something, and now it's gone. Perfect. It's if you gone. remember, just stop me. Oh, I was going to say, in Germany, our house had an attic, and I literally, I'm so creeped out by attics, I never stepped a foot in it. Ever. Oh, I don't think I could either. No. No, thank you. No. Hard no. It's going to be a no for me, dog. Yep. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, so she closed the curtains, turned out the lights, and went back went back to bed. Um, at 1 a.m., Jenny was again awakened by a sound of an object hitting the house's roof with a loud bang and then a rolling noise. After hearing nothing further, she went back to sleep. After another half hour, she woke up again, smelling smoke. When she got up again, she found that the room George had used for his office was on fire um, around the telephone line in the fuse box. She uh, woke him and he then in turn woke up the older sons. Both parents and four of their children, Marianne, Sylvia, John, and George Jr., escaped the house. They frantically yelled to the children upstairs but heard no response. They could not go up the stairway itself as it was already aflame. John Soder had uh, said in his first police interview after the fire that he had gone up to the attic to alert his siblings sleeping there, though he later changed his story to say that he had only called up there and did not actually see them. 
Efforts to find, aid, and rescue the children were unexpectedly complicated. The phone didn't work, so Marion ran to a neighbor's to call the fire department. A driver on a nearby road had also seen the flames and called a nearby tavern. Um, they were unsuccessful. Uh, they were unsuccessful either because they could not reach the operator or because the phone had turned out to be broken. Either uh, the neighbor or the passing motorist was eventually successful in reaching the fire department from another phone in the center of town. George, who was barefoot, climbed the wall and broke open an attic window, cutting his arm in the process. He and his sons intended to use a ladder to the attic to rescue the other children, but it was not in his usual spot, resting against the house, and could not be found anywhere nearby. A water barrel that could have been used to extinguish the fire was frozen solid. Uh, George then tried to pull both of the trucks that he had used in his business up to the house and used them to climb to the attic window, but neither of them could start despite having worked perfectly the previous day. Frustrated, the six daughters who had escaped had no choice but to watch the house burn down and collapse over the next 45 minutes. They assumed the other five children had perished in the blaze. The fire department, low on manpower due to the war and relying on individual firefighters to call each other, did not respond until later that morning. Could you uh, imagine? No, phone I would be so activate fucking the upset. Tree. Like, it's for real. There's a fire. But yeah, no, that would be literally, that's like my worst nightmare. Yeah, and like having nothing be able to, like you can't do anything. You can't do anything. And that just sounds like a series of unfortunate events. Truly. Yeah. Um, Fire Chief F.J. Morris said the next day that the already slow response was further hampered uh, hampered by his inability to drive the fire truck, requiring that he wait until someone who could drive was available. Shut up. How the fuck does the chief not know how to drive the truck? Right? No. I'm sorry. Like, that makes me, like, unreasonably upset. And, like, obviously this has nothing to do with me, and this was, like, what, like, 70 years ago? But still... That's Ugh, next God. level, like, no. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. The fire chief should know how to drive the goddamn truck. Uh, yeah. Um, the firefighters, one of whom was a brother of Jenny's, could do little but look through the ashes that were left in the solder's basement. By 10 a.m., uh, the chief had told the solders that they had not found any bones, as it might, uh, might have been expected if the other children had been in the house as it burned. According to another account, they did find a few bone fragments and internal organs, yuck, uh, but did but had chosen not to tell the family. Um, it was also noted by modern fire professionals that the search was cursory at best. Nevertheless, Morris believed that the five children unaccounted for had died in the fire, suggesting it had been hot enough to burn the bodies completely. Yeah, that's, wow. Yeah, isn't that fucking insane? Yeah, but, like, don't don't fires have to burn for, like, days to burn, completely burn a body? Um, it depends I mean, it, how it has hot to be they like, are. Right. Like, obviously you get cremated, but like an average fire. I remember this because Wes and I just watched, um, Making a Murderer and they talk about <laughs> it, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember, because I know, like, bones and organs will burn quicker than, like, teeth. Like, teeth are harder than bone. Yeah. So, I, I Normally, you think there would at least be teeth. Right. Because normally, if there is something left, it's teeth. Yeah. Because that's, that's what I learned in that um, one podcast you had me listen to about... Uh, I, f- I fucking forget what it's called. Uh, cold, maybe? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, one of them had teeth. Yeah. I don't know. I'm also hopped up on cold medicine right now. I don't remember shit. Um, boop-a-doop-a-doop. So the aftermath of the fire, um, the chief had told Joe... Jer- George Soder to leave the site undisturbed so that the state's fire marshal could conduct a more thorough investigation. However, after four days, he and his wife could not bear the site anymore, so he bulldozed five feet of dirt over the site with the intention of converting it into a memorial garden for his lost children. 
The local coroner um, convened an inquest in the next day, which held that the fire was an accident caused by, quote, faulty wiring. Among the jurors was a man who had threatened George Soder that his house would, house would be burned down and his children destroyed in ret- retribution for the anti-Mussolini remarks. Stop it. Like, how the fuck is that allowed? Right. It shouldn't. Like, it's in like modern days, those... it wouldn't be. No, like, that's why they have jury screenings now. Right. That's nuts. Like, like the whole thing about this, like, really pisses me off. <laughs> it's literally a series of unfortunate events. A hundred percent. Maybe that's what the, the books were about. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um... Death certificates for the five children were issued on December 30th. The local newspaper contradicted itself, saying that all the bodies had been found, but in a later, but later in the same story, stating that only part of one body was recovered. George and Jenny Soder were too grief-stricken to attend the funeral on January 2nd, 1946, although their surviving children did. So, now we're going to get into some family questions about the official account. So, not long afterwards, as they began to rebuild their lives, the Soders started to question all the official findings well, quote, official findings about the fire. Right. They wondered why, if it had been caused by an electrical problem, that the family's Christmas lights had remained on throughout the fire's early stages when the power should have gone out. They found the ladder that had been missing from the side of the house on the night of the fire at the bottom of an embankment 75 feet away. A telephone repairman told the Soders that the house's phone line had not been burned through in the fire as they had initially thought it had been, but was cut by someone who had been willing and able to climb 14 feet up a pole and reach two feet away to, uh, from it to do so. A man whom neighbors had seen stealing a block and tackle uh, from the property around the time of the fire was identified and arrested. He admitted to the theft and claimed that he had been the one who had cut the phone line, thinking it was a power line, but he denied having anything to do with the fire. However, no record identifying him exists, and why would he have wanted to cut any utility lines to the solder house while stealing the block and tackle, as that's never been explained. Jenny Soder said in 1968 that if he had cut the power line, she and her husband, along with their other four children, would have been able to make, out, make, make it out of the house. <clears throat> Jenny Soder had also had some trouble accepting Morris's belief that all traces of the children's bodies had been burned completely in the fire. Many of the household appliances have been found still recognizable in the ashes, along with uh, fragments of the tin roof. She contrasted the results of the fire with the newspaper account of a similar house fire that she had read around the same time that had killed a family of seven. Skeletal remains of all the victims were reported to have been found in that case. She burned small piles of animal bones to see if they were completely consumed. None ever were. Yeah, it sounds really fishy because I, I'm pretty sure like a normal average house fire, in, it wouldn't be enough, like hot enough to completely burn the bodies. Exactly. And actually, an employee of a local crematorium uh, that she had contacted told her that human bones remain even after bodies are burned at 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit for two hours, far longer and hotter than the house fire could have been, ever could have been. Um, the Sodder's truck's failure to start also was considered. George Sodder believed that they had been tampered with, perhaps by the same man who stole the block and tackle and cut the phone lines. However, one of his son- sons-in-law told the Char- Charleston Gazette in 2013 that he had come to believe that Sodder and his, fam- his sons might have, in their haste to start the trucks, flooded the engines. Some accounts have suggested that the wrong number phone, uh, phone call to the Sodder house might have also somehow been connected to the fire and disappearance of the children. However, investigators later co- uh, located the woman who had made the call. She confirmed it was just a wrong number on her part. Um, here's some other subsequent developments. Um, as spring approached, the Soders, as they had said it, said they would, planted flowers in the soil um, and... Uh, do, 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 do. Sorry, I lost my place. 
Um, a spring approached the Soders as they had said they would, planted flowers in the soil, bulldozed over the house. Jenny Soder had tended it carefully for the rest of her life. However, further developments in early 1946 reinforced the family's belief that the children were, uh, the children they were memorializing might in fact be alive somewhere. There is evidence that supported their belief that the fire had not started in the electrical system and that was set deliberately. The driver of a bus that passed through Fayetteville late Christmas Eve said that he had seen people throwing, quote, balls of fire at the house. A few months later, when the snow had melted, Sylvia, one of the daughters, found a small, hard, dark green rubber-like ball object in the brushes nearby. George, recalling his wife's account of a loud thump on the roof before the fire, said it looked like a pineapple bomb hand grenade or some other incendiary device used in combat. The family later claimed that, contrary to the fire marshal's conclusion, the fire had started on the roof, although uh, by then there was no way to prove it. Other witnesses claimed to have seen the children themselves. One woman said that uh, she had been watching the fire from the road, and she saw some of them peering out of a passing car while the house was burning. Another woman at a rest stop between Fayetteville and Charleston said that she had served them breakfast the next morning and noted the presence of the car with a Florida license plate um, in the rest stop's parking lot as well. The Soders hired a private investigator named C.C. Tinsley from the nearby town of Golly Bridge um, to look into the case. He learned that the insurance salesman who had threatened them with the fire a year before over George's remarks about Mussolini had been on the coroner's jury that ruled a fire an accident, and he told this to the Soders. He had also learned of rumors around Fayetteville that despite his report to the Soders that no remains had been found in the ashes, Morris had found a heart, which he later packed into a metal box and secretly buried. Um... <clears throat> Morris had apparently confessed this to a local minister who confirmed it to George Soder. Uh, isn't that illegal? For I what? I don't know. For like a minister to tell something that's been confessed? Yes, it is. I mean, it breaks I don't know if it's legal, but it's, it's, yeah, it's like, frowned upon. <laughs> it, I think it breaks their, like, whatever their rules are, you know, and they could probably, like, get kicked out of the church or whatever. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. I've never. I mean, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Soder and the private investigator went to Morris and confronted him with the snooze. He agreed to show the two where he had buried it. They dug it up. They took what they found inside the box to a local funeral director, who, after examining it, told them that it was, um, in reality, a beef liver that was very fresh and that had never been exposed to fire. Later, more rumors circulated around Fayetteville that Morris had afterwards admitted that the box with the liver had indeed not come from the fire originally. He had supposedly placed it there in hopes that the Soders would find it and be satisfied that the missing children had indeed died. That's shitty. That's super shitty. I I can't even imagine trying to do that to somebody. No, that's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then there was an excavation in 1949. Uh, George Soder didn't uh, wait for reports of sightings to come in. Sometimes he uh, made them himself. After seeing a girl in a magazine uh, doing... uh, After seeing a girl in a magazine, uh, like photos of uh, young ballet dancers in New York City, who looked like one of his missing daughters, Betty, he drove all the way to the girl's school, where he reported repeated demands to see the girl himself were uh, refused by the like school administrators. He also tried to uh, interest the FBI in investigating what he had considered to be a kidnapping. Um, Director J. Edgar Hoover uh, personally responded to the letters. Although I would like to be of service, he wrote, the matter related appears to be of local character and does not come within the investigative jurisdiction of the Bureau. If the local authorities requested the Bureau's assistance, he added, he would, of course, direct agents to assist, but the Fayetteville Police and Fire Departments declined to do so. In August of 1949, George was able to persuade Oscar Hunter, 
a Washington, D.C. pathologist to supervise a new search through the dirt of the house site. After a very thorough search, artifacts including a dictionary that had belonged to the children and some coins were found. Um, Several small bone fragments were unearthed, determined to have been human uh, vertebrae. Yikes. They were sent... Right? Um, They were sent to a specialist at the Smithsonian Institution and were confirmed to be lumbar vertebrae, all from the same person. Quote, since the transverse recesses are still fused, the age of this individual at death would have been 16 or 17 years old, um, the report said. Uh, the top limit of age would have been about 22 since the criteria, or cer- the centra, excuse me, which would normally fuse at 23, are still unfused, thus given an age range of 16 to 22. Um, it was not likely that these bones were from any of the five missing children since the oldest Maurice had been 14 at the time of uh, the fire. <clears throat> um, Newman added... Uh, Newman is the specialist at the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. Um, he added that the, the bone showed no sign of exposure to the flame. Uh, further, he agreed that this is very strange that the bones were the only ones found, since a wood fire of such sort of such a short duration would have left uh, full skeletons of all the children behind. The report concluded that the vertebrae had instead most likely come from the dirt that he um, that Soder had bulldozed over the site. Later, the private investigator supposedly confirmed that the bone fragments had come from a cemetery in nearby Mount Hope but uh, could not explain why they were taken from there or how they came to be at the fire site at all. Um, the Smithsonian returned the bones to Soder in ni- September of 1949, according to his records, the current location is unknown. The investigation and its findings um, attracted national attention, and the West Virginia legislator had uh, two hearings on the case in 1950. Afterwards, however, Governor Oki L. Patterson and State Police Superintendent W.E. Burchett told the Soder Soders that the case was quote hopeless and closed at the state closed at the case at the state level. The FBI decided it had jurisdiction as a possible interstate kidnapping, but dropped the case after two years after uh, following a bunch of fruitless leads. Um, the family has continued to investigate the case since. Um, with the eff- end of official r- reports to solve the case, the Soders did not give up hope. They had flyers printed up with pictures of the children offering a five thousand dollar award uh, that was soon doubled later. Uh, for information that would have settled the case for even one of the children. In 1952, they put up a billboard at the side of the house and another along U.S. Route 60 near Anstead with the same information. It would be, in time, become a landmark for traffic through Fayetteville on Route ni- uh, on U.S. Route 19, which is today it's State Route 16. Their efforts soon brought another reported sighting of the children. Um, Ida Crutchfield, a woman who had ran a Charleston hotel, claimed to have seen three seen the children approximately a week after the fire. I don't remember the exact date, she said in a statement. The children had come in around midnight with two men and two women, all of whom appeared to be of an Italian extraction. Uh, when she attempted to speak with the children, one of the men looked at me in a hostile manner. He turned around and began talking repeatedly in Italian. Immediately, the whole party stopped talking to me. She recalled that they left the hotel early the next morning. Investigators today do not, however, consider the story to be credible as she had only seen photos of the children two years after the fire, five years before she had come forward. Um, George Soder followed up on leads in person, traveling to areas from where the tips had come. A woman in St. Louis claimed that Martha was being held in a convent there. A bar patron in Texas claimed that uh, he had overheard two other people making incriminating statements about a fire that happened on Christmas Eve in West Virginia uh, some years before. None of these leads have proved significant. Uh, when George heard of a relative of Jenny's in Florida had children that looked similar to his, the relative had to prove that the children were their own before George was satisfied. That's kind of fucked up. <clears throat> um, 
1967, Soder went to the Houston area to investigate another tip. A woman there had written to the family saying that uh, Louis Soder had revealed his true identity to her one night after having too much to drink. She believed that he and Maurice were living in Texas somewhere, but Soder and his son-in-law, Grover Paxton, were unable to speak with her. Police were able to help them find the two men she had indicated, but they denied being the missing sons. Paxton said later that he had doubts um, that the denial lingered in Soder's mind for the rest of his life. Another letter that they they had received that year had brought the Soders what they believed was the most credible evidence that at least Lewis was still alive. One day, Jenny found a letter in the mail addressed to her, postmarked in Central City, Kentucky, with no return address. Inside was a picture of a young man around 30 years old with strong with features strongly, strongly resembling Lewis's, who would have been in his 30s if he had survived. On the back was written, Lewis Otter, I love Brother Frankie. <laughs> I love Brother Frankie. Um, and then uh, a string of numbers. Um, they had hired another private detective to go to Central City and look into the look into the letter but never reported back to the Soders and they were unable to locate him afterwards the picture nonetheless gave them hope they added to the billboard leaving Central City out of it and other, any other published information out of fear that Lewis might come to harm and put an enlargement over the fireplace really nothing's come, come up since um, the whole thing's just really wild honestly <laughs> yeah so why, why how I mean if they didn't die, like, why would they not be, like, go back to their families? Like, is the assumption they were kidnapped then? Yeah, so, um, and those, like, first reports, like, people say that they saw, they thought they saw the kids in cars, like, leaving town. Like, okay. the whole thing is very convoluted and just It's funky. nuts. Well, I mean, yeah, and, like, the investigative, you know, thing th- then was, like, nothing, so. Yeah. Techniques, I should say. You're right. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, this is for like 19, the you know 1940s, so things were not nearly as advanced as they are now. But absolutely bonkers. Yeah, that is nuts. Um, but yeah, so that's that. Um, I don't have anything else. Um, do you have anything fun and exciting to share that you've watched or listened to or anything? Um, watch you guys watch the Netflix documentary don't fuck with cats because it's literally the most insane thing I've ever watched and we're going to do a screen recap on it soon. I know. I'm excited to watch it. I'm it's, probably going to do that tomorrow yeah. morning. Three episodes. It's binge watchable. It's insane. Like insane. Please watch it. Okay. I'm very but excited. Also, this. I will say that it's pretty disturbing and um, <laughs> I mean like it might not be for everybody. Like because there's like torturing of animals and there's like some videos and it cuts off before you really see anything but it's still like I mean it's still disturbing and and it, there's a video of um somebody getting murdered also oh my god they don't really you show, did not tell me that <laughs> yeah they don't really like show like anything graphic but you know what's happening you know so it's so just a warning for some, you know, like people. Yikes on bikes. But it's literally so interesting. It's, wow. Huh. Anyways. I'll take that go. Check it out. But yeah. Um, so Merry Christmas. I've been watching anything. I don't think so. Yeah. Nothing, nothing wild. Oh, actually, I take that back. Zach and I started watching The Witcher on Netflix. That's very good. Yeah, we, that we, should, we started watching that too, actually. Literally everyone on that show is hot as fuck. Yeah. Um, I know. It's honestly a little upsetting. I know. Um, we also started uh, Watchmen on HBO. That's also very good if you're into that kind of thing. Um, 
Leslie, I mean, you guys kind of aren't. I mean, West yeah. might be. I don't, yeah, I'll have to, we'd have to look at a, like, commercial. Yeah. Um, so. You might, like, you might kind of dig it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's all I have. Uh, Merry Christmas. Yep, Merry if, Christmas. If uh, we get our shit together tomorrow, our John Bonet episode will be up. Yep. Um, but yeah. That's We're going to try. I have a very fussy baby <laughs> right now and a husband who is not available to watch her at the moment, so. Fucking Wes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love <laughs> you, Wes. <laughs> right. Anyways, but yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes. And thanks and for listening. Yeah, we'll catch you in the next one. And this was Hot for Justice. Yes. Bye. Oh, and <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>